it's very difficult to say that you were covering it up. Is to say that this couldn't be happening to me. And it was difficult for me because of how I lived in the community. I'm always having people asking me a question, asking me for advice, both in work and outside of work. As a well-respected community figure who is used to helping others, Kenrick Goppy is learning to accept that he's the one who now needs support. A bright and cheerful Kenrick Goppy has been sharing insights and anecdotes about his work, family and philosophy. He says that, in many respects, life is rich. But as the conversation turns to his dementia diagnosis, it becomes clear that this upbeat outlook, although genuine, overlays his struggle to remain the man he used to be. I'm Gareth Bracken, and I met a man adapting to the impact of dementia. I wonder then if we could perhaps talk about your early life, growing up, I believe, in Guyana. Guyana. I mean, it was, put it this way, it was fairly good. Kenrick, who's now 73, was raised in Guyana, a Caribbean nation on the South American mainland. He spent a lot of time in his early years with his aunt and grandmother while his mother was at work. The older generation always wanted to have their grandchildren around them and they behave like mothers. <laughs> They're mothered and double mothered in that respect. Kenrick moved to England in the early 1960s in his mid-teens, joining relatives already in London. Those early days were quite exciting, actually. My brother was already here, my older brother. He was in the RAF. There was a, a family network. Kenrick was a keen boxer and gymnast and recalls the first thing his gymnastics coach said to him. He came in and he said to most of us, you know, I am coming to teach you a lot how to become gymnasts. And we thought it was a joke. But once you get into it, it's very attractive. Or at least I found it that way. You won't believe I could do a full circle and a parallel bar, did you? <laughs> I did it! I did it! He became involved in community youth work, setting up Saturday schools in local churches. We started to find the failure of young African Caribbean kids, particularly in the school system, particularly boys. And we set up the supplementary schools in order to bring some discipline to them. But it's not so much the discipline. What we felt was the education system didn't have any time for them. Kenrick was also part of the British Black Panthers who fought for the rights of black people and other people of colour. The young generation were critical to some extent of the Martin Luther King approach. Rather than asking for mercy, you organise yourself and create the, some of the resources that you need in order to advance yourself. And that's how the supplementary schools came into play. He spent the majority of his career working for social services in Brent in northwest London. He focused mostly on mental health in young people before taking early retirement in the early 2000s. Kenrick married Herma in the early 1970s and they now have three sons and seven grandchildren. Herma recalls one of their early encounters. When he was doing his A-levels, he was redoing some of his A-levels. Now, you were doing an addition, weren't you? Yeah. And I was doing A-levels. And you invited me to the, the West India Social Group. So, yeah. So we met there. And she decided she founded the jewel, you see. No, and then... 
I went off to podcast that we met a few months later. Mm. It was in summer 2014 that Herma first noticed that Kenrick, ordinarily very active and articulate, didn't seem as mentally sharp as usual. However, she assumed it was just a case of him getting older. Looking back, she feels that her husband became very good at covering up any issues he was having. While Kenrick admits going through a period of denial, he also describes the pressure he puts on himself as a sought-after figure in his local community to carry on as normally as possible, even when he's finding it difficult to help people in the same way that he would have done previously. I would think 70% of the people that I meet or individuals that I meet in the street expect if they ask me for something, they get it back. And that creates problems. Because some of them I can I recognize the face, but I can't remember the name. Yeah. I recognize the face, I remember the name, but I can't remember where they came from. How do you explain that to them? He fears that revealing his struggles will lead people to think that he doesn't want to advise or support them anymore. He may sometimes explain to people that he has dementia, but says that many aren't able to accept that someone like him could be so badly affected by it, leaving him in a tricky situation. Okay, knowing that there's an attitude, they'll say, well, now he's retired, he's got his pension, and he's living like he don't want to have anything to do with us. I know the culture that I'm in. How do I deal with that? So if you know that's going to happen, you're going to have to try your best. So, to recap, Kenrick Goppy came to England from Guyana in the early 1960s and worked for social services in London before retiring. In summer 2014, his wife Herman noticed that Kenrick didn't seem as mentally sharp as usual, putting it down to his age. Despite experiencing memory problems as a result of dementia, Kenrick puts pressure on himself to remain a helpful community figure. He worries that revealing his struggles will lead people to think that he doesn't want to help them anymore. After his symptoms became impossible to ignore, Kenrick sought medical help and was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in December 2014. Now he comes across as a jovial figure with a broadly positive outlook, but Kenrick does admit that things may not always be quite what they seem. The image I market is not 100% of what I feel. I have a greater anxiety level when I'm quiet particularly if it dawned on me that I planned to do something. And it just went out. Because Herman may mention, said, oh, you were supposed to do that. And I said, but by God, it's, it, it is gone. Kenrick also has diabetes and has had three stents in his heart as a result of angina. However, it's dementia that worries him most for a very personal reason. Yes, there's an anxiety. I don't really want to. As you can see, I have a lot of mouth. <laughs> For want of a better word. Okay, and I really wouldn't like to lose that. Because I see that as a very... It's a key element. It has been a key element in me for most of the life that I can remember. Even as a child, I've always been expressive. And now not feeling that you might not be able to express yourself in the way or in the language that you want to because 
of the anxieties you have. Just shake you up a bit. As a result of sepsis, Kenrick now walks with the aid of a frame. He has also stopped driving, and his lack of mobility and freedom, along with the dementia, have caused a downturn in his motivation. His wife and sons do their best to help him remain active and involved, meaning that Kenrick is usually out of the house three or four times a week, attending various groups. This includes a dementia cafe run by Community Resource Centre Ashford Place, and two groups at Wilton City Mission. Kenrick says that it's difficult for his sons to accept that he is declining mentally, and he thinks they can be overprotective at times. However, he remains grateful for their involvement. But I've got a family network that has actually been very supportive, and supportive in two ways. They're supportive indulgent, and they're supportive directive, and I think they'll be much more directive rather than indulgent, which may has been of a benefit to me. Having always been someone who helped others with their problems, Kenrick has had to acknowledge that he is the one now in need of assistance. You can continue to deny until you come to a point, and you get to the point where you're going to have to accept that you need support. You're not only a provider of it. Although Kenrick is having to adapt to this new status and deal with the expectations of those within his community, he still draws positives from his personal interactions with those who seek his support. And this has actually probably been keeping me much more fluid mentally than I might be willing to accept because when somebody phones up, you know, and you haven't spoken to them three, four years and they come, you're either trying to work out the image, what they were like the last time, and that helps in its own way. And so you sometimes have to counsel, even if you can't help, you counsel. And that's actually quite rewarding. It keeps me involved, it actually keeps me alive. Also, I'm always interested because these are obviously very personal stories and I've turned up at your doorstep and asked you all these questions. Mm -hmm. Why are you so happy to be so open and have your story published? How can I not respond when I used to terrorise people to get them to respond to me? I've got a guilt conscience. I mean, asking people to their business for, for what? 40 years now, roughly. I come into your house, you don't know me, but I have a form that says I am Kenry Guppy, social worker. I mean, asking have people do their business <laughs> for, for what? 40 years now, roughly. Next steps. For our booklet, Keeping Active and Involved, 1506, see outsimers.org.uk forward slash publications or call 0300 303 5933 local rate. Use our online directory to find services near you. Visit alzheimers.org.uk forward slash dementia connect. Visit alzheimers.org.uk forward slash dementia friendly communities for more about dementia friendly communities. This was a podcast version of the article called Role Reversal in the August-September 2018 issue of Dementia Together, the new name for Alzheimer's Society's magazine. Written and recorded by Gareth Bracken, produced by Nicola Leddy. For more magazine podcasts and links to other Alzheimer's Society podcasts, see alzheimers.org.uk forward slash DTM podcast. To receive the print magazine or the CD, call 0330 333 0804, local rate.